Amen. Well, did you bring your Bibles this morning? Yes. Come on, we're on a campaign to make the Bible great again. Yes. <laughs> growth tracks can be dismissed, that's right. Last class today, growth tracks. Thank you, Pastor Tim. Make the Bible great. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. If we make the Bible great, how many know America would be great? Yes. I'm just kind of get first things first. So say this with me this morning. This is my Bible. Okay, say this with me this morning. <laughs> One, two, three, go. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I am empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into the soil of my heart. Amen. Father, I thank you this morning in these next few moments. Your word literally will be planted in our heart. We thank you that you give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, and eyes to see the truth contained in your word. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Cause the life of God's word to come to pass in us. In Jesus' name, somebody said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, you know, I just I said it a couple weeks ago. And that is that uh, the purpose of the church is to give people, make available what we cannot find anywhere else. And the presence of God, I love the presence of God because his presence is something we can't get anyplace else. When we come together, when the church comes together and we build that corporate house, we have something that nobody can get anyplace else except in God's house. Amen. When his people come together and build the church. Praise the Lord. And uh, let me just say this morning before we dive into this, I want to say thank you to all of you for all your gifts and cards, expressions of love to us and our staff for pastor appreciation. We are truly blessed to be your pastors and we count it a joy to serve you. So thank you so much for your expression towards us. We love and appreciate you so much. And, uh, and then uh, secondly, I want to say thank you on behalf of the McCain family. Many of you uh, have donated cards and gifts and support to them as they're going through this season with their son Josh. Keep Josh in prayer. They actually did the surgery and uh, put his skull back together and because uh, he had had the crash and fractured his skull open. They had it open until they could get that under the, the bleeding and the hemorrhaging and the swelling down. Then they're able to do that. And uh, so they've done some other procedures. And now we're praying for him to wake up. Amen. So you'd be praying. Let's pray for him to wake up. Let's believe God for a complete miracle. So we thank you for that and just pray uh, God's blessing over you for expressing your love to them. And then I want to ask you to do something else with me this morning. Uh, next Sunday night will be the first Sunday of the month that we began our Sunday night prayer service on the first Sunday of the month from 6 to 7. And uh, so we have that time. We just come here for that one hour and just pray together and, and worship the Lord and just pray one for another and just kind of preach. And not, We don't preach, but just pray and prophesy and declare God's word. How many know with the election coming up next week it'd be a good thing to pray a little more on Sunday in advance of that so we'll be praying Sunday night but there's so many things that have been happening um, in our uh, society and in our nation and the, with the shooting yesterday of, uh, of the people there at the synagogue the Tree of Life synagogue in uh, Pittsburgh Pennsylvania one of the suburbs there and uh, I would just ask you can we just pray for those uh, those families and that congregation, that community. Would you join me as we pray? Father, we just come in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we are a nation that is in despair and in turmoil. And God, only you can bring an answer. 
So, Father, we come to petition you on behalf of our nation, Father, to bring an end to the hatred and the violence and the senseless loss of life. Father, we pray your grace, your healing power over this community, over this congregation, Father, of our dear Jewish brothers and sisters. Lord, we are grafted into the root. This is who we are. And Father, we pray when, when they are attacked, we are attacked, Father. When harm is done to them, harm is done to us. And so, Father, we stand with our Jewish community and our brothers and sisters. And we just pray your healing power and peace and comfort over them. Father, the senseless loss of life. There is just no explanation. There is no understanding it. But God, you can turn things around and you can cause things uh, to, to be set right again in our country. So Father, we pray that you would just move by your grace and your mercy and your power in this congregation, in this community, and Father, in our nation. Lord, let the, the source be exposed. Lord, there's so much rhetoric on the surface but let the source of all these things be exposed father that it can be dealt with and have an input to it and so father we just pray for your grace and your mercy in jesus name everybody said amen, amen. praise the lord hallelujah well we've been on this session and series on teaching on the power of choice or choice being the most powerful element in our life we've been using as a just kind of a pivotal text here psalms 25 verses 12 through 14 so i'd like us to read it again together this morning and walk through it it just says where is the man who fears the lord god will teach him how to choose the best I like that. I want to know how to make the best choice. I've made some bad choices, but I want to make better choices. Could you say amen? But, but when I fear God and I walk with respect towards him, the word says here, the promise is that he will teach us how to choose the best. Look at, he will live within God's circle of blessing. How many know that's a cool place? People always want to get to know people, get up next to somebody, get in relationship with people. God says, hey, you could be in relationship. I got this circle you could be in, and it's my circle of blessing. And his children shall inherit the earth. How many want your children to be blessed? How you been? His children shall inherit the earth. Friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence him, who show respect and honor and dignity towards him. But get this next statement. With them alone. He shares the secrets of his promises. So my attitude towards God determines how, how he helps me in my choices, whether I get to be in a circle of blessing. It affects my children, but also it gives me in that place of friendship with him, and he reveals his secrets to us. Amen? How many know that's just a good place to be? Praise the Lord. Well, this morning, we're going to take this a little bit, and I'm going to talk to you quite a bit this morning just about words and how powerful and how important words are to us when it comes to making our choices. So walk through this with me. Every aspect of our life is shaped and molded by words and choices. Every aspect of your life, my life, all of our life is shaped by words that form our choices. We are connected to every person in our lives by words. Every choice you make has been directed and influenced through the power of words. Words are the greatest influencer in our lives. Think about it. Our education on every level of life 
is connected to word. We read and study books filled with words in order to learn. We write books to communicate our thoughts and to express and share our imagination and share our experiences with others. We can get lost in the words of a song or dream through the words of a story. Words are the creative force behind every emotion, dream, idea, vision, and plan you will, ne- you will ever have for your life. And words even reveal God's plan for our salvation. Words, our salvation, the declaration of our salvation comes through words. If you have your Bibles this morning, then open those up, if you would please, to Acts chapter 10. I want to read a few of these verses with you this morning and just to illustrate how important words are even to our salvation. Acts chapter 10 and beginning in verse 1, it says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what is called the Italian regiment, a devout man, one who feared God with all of his house, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. And about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming to him, coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, and he answered him and 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 when he observed him he was afraid and said what is it lord so he said to him your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before god now i like that because it tells me that my giving and my praying gets me an audience with god Amen. When we honor God and we pray and we, we, we walk in relationship with him and we do show generosity to others, it gets us an audience with God. Verse 5. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. I like one translation that says, he will tell you words whereby you must be saved. Or he will tell you the words that you need to hear to come into a full relationship with me. So it wasn't just enough. An angel wasn't going to do it. But God sent a man to Cornelius' house to tell him the words. And we know the account. God gives Peter the vision. The three men come to the door. And then he goes to his house. He begins speaking and declaring the word of the Lord to them. Preaching the gospel to them. The Holy Spirit falls on them. They have a Holy Ghost breakout. Next thing you know, they're getting baptized. Peter's getting a revelation. God's no respecter of persons. And it all happened through words. Amen? Now look at the next passage. Go with me to Romans. Go to your right in your Bible a few chapters. You'll end up at Romans chapter 10. And just look at verse 14 and 15 here. And it says this. It says, How then shall they call upon him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sinned as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So people get saved when we go and preach words to them. Amen? You got saved. You heard the gospel. You heard the word of truth. And you got saved. Go a few more pages to the right. And you'll end up at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And Paul says this. I turned all the way to chapter to 2 Corinthians. Praise the Lord. Look at beginning of verse 18. For the message of the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 
For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Or Paul is writing here that God chose that through declaring the gospel, preaching the gospel, and people hearing the gospel message, the words of the gospel, we would be saved and be born again. That seed, Peter said it like this, you are born again by an incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. We hear that word preached, it gets in our heart, and it produces a life of God. Amen? Now go with me one last verse to, first, to Romans chapter 1. Go back to Romans chapter 1. I want to share one more passage with you. You know, we live in a day and an hour that we're supposed to be sensitive about what we say. And, and I like, I heard years ago, I heard a, a pastor friend, Charles Neiman, out, out of New Mexico, preaching out of El Paso, great church there. And uh, he was uh, a marriage series, teaching a marriage series. And, and he said as he began that series, he says, I promise you, I, I may not be politically correct, but I will be scripturally accurate. What I say when I start talking about relationship, but we live in a world today that says, hey, you have to be politically correct about everything you say. I would rather be biblically accurate, scripturally accurate and correct about what I say. And so in that, but see, we back away sometimes and we're not maybe as bold as we should or courageous as we should be when it comes to declaring the gospel. But Romans chapter one says this in verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it, the gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So when we declare the gospel, people need to hear words to be saved. Amen? And so we have to have the boldness to declare it. So words are essential to every part of our life. Look at this next aspect though. It seems today that we cannot live these days without being constantly connected to the words of those in our social circles. I just want you to just think about it for a moment. Look at how cell phones have taken over our culture. Just how phones have taken over and how connected we have to be, connected to words of us. The only thing that comes across on a phone is words. And so we're so connected just to words and that, and I said, and first it marvels me, and I've seen it on some things, we got this whole caravan of impoverished people coming up out of southern, uh, uh, yeah, Central America in these areas and stuff, and, and yet all of them are walking with phones. So how can you afford a phone, and then where are you charging that puppy? Hey, man, it's like... You know, how, how is this happening? But, but here's people, and they're all on their phones, they're all texting, they're all doing stuff. And, and so, but, but the phones have become so integrated into our culture. Many of us, we're around, we, all, we, we go, we won't leave the, our house without a phone, we carry it, do all stuff. And, and the majority of society has become inundated with this culture of being connected to that. And you be in a conversation, and you guys will see it. You get in a group with somebody, somebody pulls out their phone. Next thing you know, everybody else draws their phone too. Like shoot out at the OK Corral, man. I got one of those. Amen. Mine's got a bigger barrel than you. I mean, we just, you know. It. <laughs> so think about it. our cell phones have become our virtual handheld realities. 
being connected to Wi-Fi, 3G, 4G, 3G wasn't enough, Wi-Fi isn't enough, 4G is enough, it's got to be LTE. Now we've got to get it, right with, with, I think that's lightning fast, whatever that means, I don't know what even LTE stands for. Anyway, we want it faster, we want more accessible than ever. Very seldom do we actually focus on the conversation of those we are with because we are constantly connected to the words of another through our devices. Words and, and how they work and interact in our life. Look inside your outline if you would. See, we cannot get enough. We must have them while we drive, sit in school, in church, in meetings, on planes, walking through the mall, everywhere. And, and, and please don't, I don't yeah, well, get mad if you want. I don't care anymore. <laughs> Amen. One reason we quit bringing this is because we don't want to let go of the words that other, somebody else might want to say to me in church. There's other words. Your, your phone has more, it has lots of voices in it, and voices that come through that. Amen. If you really just want to use your phone for your Bible, then put it in airplane mode while you're in church, and you cut off every other voice. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching real good. Amen. But anyway, in doing that, and the reason to that, listen, I come to church to hear God's word, but if I'm not giving him my full attention then how am I showing reverence and respect for him? I know pastor's going to preach a good word. I know he's worked all week. I know he's praying out God to bring the word of the Lord to me. But somebody else might want to send me a text right now, and that's real important too. Well, don't shout me down. I just figured I'd get up in everybody's face this morning, <laughs> praise the Lord. But why? Look, look, look at we, Our culture has been taken over by these things. Are you listening to me? And anything, anything, that something gets like that or anything that gets, has that demanding of control on us, that's such an addictive power that I can't be away from it. I want to, wait a minute, that's a controlling influence in my life. Just some thought. I'm just thinking out loud. Hallelujah. So we get to those areas. You see people sit about, they're in church, they're in meetings, they're on planes, walking through the mall, everywhere, all the time, we must be connected to work. So like they say in the movies, please silence your cell phones now. I always like it in church because somebody's phone will go off, they'll forget to sign. Then they're all embarrassed that we had it. But anyway, but think about it. Through the parable of the sower, Jesus revealed. Now, let me just tell you like this. I'm just talking about phone. Don't get mad at me. I'm just talking about phone. Moving right along. Jesus revealed that the soil of our hearts will be filled with seed. We have the power to choose the source of that seed. Every choice we make from the seeds that are sown into our heart will either move us forward towards our destiny or hold us where we are. They will either keep us on the course or move us in the wrong direction. Words either keep me on course in the purpose and the plan that God has for me or they move me off course and in the wrong direction. Think about it. We have all spoken words that we wish we could take back. Anybody besides me? I mean, you say that thing, and then you go, oh, you try to inhale and suck it back in real quick. Too late, man, it's out there. We have all spoken words and then jested that we didn't mean them, but we did. We have all had words spoken to us that cut like a knife, destroyed our confidence, broke our spirits, and even darkened our future. We have all had words spoken to us that healed like a soothing balm, brought hope, built faith, and caused us to believe that all things are possible. And then we all have different words for different people. We have all been in the place where words were like 
the skillful brushes of the artist painting on the canvas of our imagination. And we choose daily who we will allow to speak words into our lives. We choose that. We do it just using the media area. People, I, I'm not going to friend that person. I'm not going to be a friend. We check out. You, somebody asks you for a friend in your social media thing. You look at what they post and you decide whether you want them having words in your life or not. All kinds of areas we do that. Somebody calls you, bothers you, you block them because you never want to hear words from them. Moving right along. So we select the source of our words in relationships, entertainment, education, in life, and for life. We all know the difference between words you can say here, but not there. Acceptable and non-acceptable words. I use this illustration. What about words that we hear in life that are okay in areas in life outside church, but you don't want to hear those words in here? There's certain words I could say right now, and you would probably lose your salvation and think I was crazy. But yet, when we hear those same words in our entertainment, it's no big deal. Because those words are okay there, they're just not acceptable here. Well, words are influencers. Are you listening to me? So when I have that standard, or being even double-minded, how I many know James says the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways? I'm just talking about just some principles here this morning. But so, well, wait a minute. Pastor, if you dropped an F-bomb in here this morning, we'd be upset. But yet there was only 42 of them in that movie I just watched. And, that, 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 it, it, and, then, and, and then people, how was that movie? It wasn't that bad. Well, let me drop a few this morning. You go, that was a good message, but it really wasn't that bad. Amen. <laughs> How was pastor's message? It wasn't that bad. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to go refill my popcorn. Hallelujah. So think about it. Whatever is happening in your life right now can be traced. Can, can, can I just be real with you? Why, why don't we think practical like that? Why, why do we have thoughts about one thing in life outside of church, but a different thought on the inside? And then we wonder why we're not seeing the full manifestation of the promise of God. I have those same compromises in my life. I'm, I'm preaching at myself. Are you listening to me? So think about it. Whatever is happening in your life now can be traced back to words that were sown in your heart and spoken from your mouth to produce the harvest you are in. Whatever's happening in your life will be traced back to words that were sown into your heart, and it produced the choice that created the harvest that you're living in right now. That's where we are. And we like to blame the devil, and the devil understands this. I shared in first service, we used to have, when we started out, we had testimony services and prayer requests in the Wednesday night Bible study, and people would get to offer, and everybody would always raise their hand, and there would always be the person who would declare that the devil had been after them all week. I used to say, well, I don't think you're that much of a threat to hell, but maybe he has been chasing you, so... Don't get mad at me. But anyway, um, in that area, we, we would give him credit for things that really, that really were just the consequences of choices that we had made. Are you listening to me? And so we want to understand that clarity. Go with me to Genesis chapter 3. Let me take you all the way back to the beginning of this. Because this is how influential words are in our life. Genesis chapter 3 and instead of just reading verse 8, I want to go back to verse 1 
and uh, have you walk through this with me. I want you to understand that God's word is very clear. I found this out through my life that I, I, I love and, and uh, I was doing some research yesterday and uh, I was given uh, a pastor who retired, gave me all of his books out of his library. He's in the ministry for over 50 years and he accumulated a whole life. So he gave me all of his books. And so I've been going through them and, and I have several sets of commentaries that are awesome that he gave. And one is the Bible Illustrator. And there's 26 volumes in it, and that, and volume one of Genesis. And so I, I, I never looked at it. It's awesome, and it's virtually brand new. And uh, so I started looking at it, and I, I just began looking around Genesis chapter one, where God created the earth, called the earth to come forth, and to bring forth and produce seed, and to receive seed and reproduce. And that, and so I've just been doing studying on seed and the power of seed, and, and over the years I've done a lot of study on that. And I was wanting to read, but in commentaries, I want to see if it adds to or takes away from the truth of God's word, or does it open the truth of God's word? Because there's opinions and things. So God's word, what we're going to read here is the devil is going to give Adam and Eve his interpretation of what God said. He's going to give his interpretation he's going to give his commentary on what God meant by what he said are you listening to me and so it's important that when I read the Bible I, I, I don't mind reading commentaries or different viewpoints but then I always want to come back and say wait a minute God said exactly what he meant he didn't say well I'll, I'll say this and hopefully somebody will be able to come along and explain what I meant he meant what he said. Literally, he meant what he said. Amen? That'd be like you writing a letter to somebody and then at the end say, P.S., I hope somebody will explain to you what I just said. No, he means what he said. And so now the serpent, verse 1, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Look at these next three words. And he what? He said to the woman, has God indeed said? Is that what God really meant? You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Didn't God say you can eat of everything? God just said, man, you can eat everything. Surely God meant you could eat everything from the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. He said, don't eat it lest you die. He didn't talk about touching it. Verse 4, and the serpent said, somebody say the serpent said. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. That's not really what God meant. Let me tell you really what God meant. What God meant was it. For God knows that in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, the woman, so when the woman saw, so listen, she just listened to words and now she's processing those words. Instead of saying, wait a minute, no, God said. God said, and I'm just going to stay with what God said. So then she began to consider. She heard those words. She began to consider. So she looked at it now based upon the words that she heard. When she saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eye, that it was desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit. When she had the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, when those three areas evaluated by all those things, then she says, hey, who cares about what God said? I think I'll have some apple. Amen. I don't know why we always picked an apple. Who knows what the fruit was? Poor apple's got a bad rap. Amen. And she picked the pomegranate. Who knows what it was? Anyway. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Wow. 
See, every time we alter God's word, we have to come up with religious covering for the consequences of making the wrong choice. Amen. Verse 8. Now watch. And they heard the sound of the Lord God. I love this. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They heard the voice. So God comes to them speaking the word. And God is saying, hey, Adam, where are you? This is our time of the day when we fellowship, when we commune one with the other, when you speak to me and I speak to you. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. And the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? How many knew God knew where he was? When God asks you his question, it's not because he doesn't know where you are. He wants you to admit where you are. Amen. Verse 10. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Verse 11. Key passage. And God said, who told you? Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded that you should not eat? And we know that the blame game ensues after that. Look back at your outline. So the question is, who told you? This has been the question that has plagued man from the beginning. Who influenced you? See, man is caught up in the battle of words over words. Let me tell you where you live, my friend. I'm here as a pastor and a preacher to declare the word of God. But you've heard other words that contradict this word. And you live in the battle between which word will you believe? Which word will you stake your life on? Can I really take the word of God as truth? Can I build my life on the foundation of word? If every aspect of this true but i've heard of christians who believe god things didn't go well for them so how can i know that this word is going to be true you live in a battle of words against the word god i'm just going to believe your word i'm going to stay with the word of god think about it god has has god indeed said did God really say that didn't he say all these other things so God's question to Adam was this if I could paraphrase it like this whose words did you hear that got you to where you are now who told you you were naked whose words got you to the place where you are now my words didn't do that look at this you would not be here if you had listened to my words by whose words did you make your choice they were not mine. My words would not have produced this. Or the Lord saying, my words, you would not be naked in my presence and hiding if you had listened to my word. Hiding and naked before God. Hear me this morning. God put the harvest that he ordained for our lives in the seed of his word. He then made our hearts a soil that they are to be sown into. And he gave us the power to choose his harvest or ours. And he encourages us to what? To choose life. Amen? To choose life. Think about that. The devil or Satan understands this principle. His desire is he seeks to sow the seeds or words of his plan into the soil of his heart to produce his desired harvest through our life. He uses the principle. You were created to respond and to receive words. You were created by words and to live by words. Jesus said like this, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds by the, from the mouth of God. The word of God is the bread of life. Amen? 
And so we're to live by his word. You were created. You, we, we are word being. And that's how we live. Think about everything happening in our culture. What are we in today? We are in a cultural battle over words. And words are the influencers of our life on every level. And what we're saying is, and think about this, what if every nation that is turned away from God, what's the one thing they don't want? The one thing people don't want is this word anywhere in their culture. Well, you need to keep that in your church. You need to keep that in that box over there. We have the separation of church and which means you keep your word, you believe wherever you want, you keep it over there. But then the moment you walk out the door, we're going to enforce everything we believe upon you. Doing all right? So stay with me. So the devil understands. Jesus said like this, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. How does the enemy steal, kill, and destroy? How did he do it in the garden? With words. And when I listen to his words, he steals away the life they had. Steals away. He stole their see, spiritual death, physical poverty, and sickness and disease. Steal, kill, and destroy. It's a curse of the, that's a curse. Threefold curse is death, poverty, and disease. Amen. So he comes to you. And so you're, you're not going to combat that with just nice words. You're not going to combat that being politically correct all the time. Somewhere along the line, you're going to have to learn how to speak scripturally accurate. Amen. And stand upon the word. Hallelujah. So this morning, I'm running out of time, but watch this this morning. This is why Jesus said to the tempter in the wilderness when he came to him with words. Jesus is taken by the wilderness, by the spirit, led by the spirit into the wilderness to, to be tempted by the devil. The enemy comes to him. The devil comes to him and says, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. You've been out here for 40 days. You've got to be hungry. You have the power to do it. Turn these stones into bread. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If you're the son of God, throw yourself off of this mountain, off of this pinnacle here and the, he's given his angels charge over you because the devil goes oh we're going to use the word huh you're going to use the word okay i know the word so he begins quoting scripture back to jesus and then jesus has to quote scripture back to him thou shalt not tempt the lord thy god oh well tell you what here's all the kingdom of the world to give you all this wealth all these riches all you got to do is bow down and worship me and Jesus says, hey, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall you worship. And it says, after Jesus responded with the right words to the tempter, he left him. But if you don't have the word in you, you won't have the right response when the temptation comes. Are you listening to me? So words are so important in your life. The value that you place on this word will determine how you win when every temptation comes in your life. Jesus won by the word. Think about it. The wilderness is the place that God takes us all to reveal what has been sown in our hearts through words. Nobody escapes the wilderness experience. We can only determine the outcome and the longevity of the experience through our response to words. See, words influence our lives by the way they come into our lives and the way they go out. Statements like, I have always heard, I was always told, I have always believed, reveal the source of our words. Jesus spoke what he had always heard. And it was enough to defeat the tempter. I have to ask myself, will the words that I have heard do that? Will the words that I have heard do that? Amen. And I'll just be honest with you. As a pastor, I've, I've been pastoring now since 1981, full-time ministry since 1981. We're in our 37th year of ministry. I've watched the downhill decline that people want to be in church less and less and less. People want to hear God's word preached less than they ever have before. 
They want services to be shorter. They want everything less. So when I'm giving less value to the Word of God and its preeminence in my life, I'm doing all right. And so there's something about hearing the word preach and proclaim. Why, why do I need, listen, listen what, what's the difference between you reading your Bible and me preaching or anybody preaching? What's the difference between you doing your personal devotion and me preaching? Huh? Good, yeah, you hear it. What's the other difference? I'm going to declare what you need to hear. You're going to read what you want to hear. And you're never going to give yourself an altar call. Preaching brings us to a decision. Teaching brings us to maturity. Preaching is to... Why do we give altar call? Because every time the word is preached, it's supposed to come present a decision or a choice to be made. And every time you hear the word preach, you make a choice. Am I going to respond or I'm just going to let this be water off the duck's back? Is this just going to roll off or is this going to get planted in my heart? Preaching declares to us, when it's prophetic preaching, when we seek the Lord and we come with the word from the Lord, we hear what I need to hear for my development. Are you listening to me? That's why God gave to, listen, that's why God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. So that we grow up in the maturity. Are you doing all right? But see, we think, well, you know what? I have all this stuff. I can perfect myself. That's cool. Next time you need brain surgery, just ask the doctor, did you go to school or did you teach yourself? <laughs> well, I have an online certificate. I learned online. <laughs> Practice on a few frogs in my garage. I'm sure I'm ready to help you with your case. All right, moving right along. Say, Pastor, you're being silly. No, I'm just trying to be real. Amen. So think about it. Will the words you have heard give you the same victory as the worship team comes back? See, the source of the seed and the types of soil which they are sown into is declared in Mark chapter 4 in the parable of the sword will always determine the harvest. Jesus said that the only thing that Satan comes to steal in that parable is the word of God from our life. The only thing the enemy cares about stealing out of your life is this word. The only thing he wants to not be valuable in your life is this word. Nothing else. The word of God. God's word is the only thing the devil is concerned about. Nothing else. He didn't care about anything else. He really doesn't. The only thing he's intimidated by is if this word gets in your heart. Because he knows this word will produce. Isaiah 55, the Lord says, As the rain and the snow come down and water the earth and cause it to bring forth and bud, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return to me void. It will accomplish what I sent it to do. This word contains life. It contains the life of God. And this word sown in your heart creates a harvest that he can't stop. And that harvest does destruction to his kingdom. Church attendant, coming in, going out, all that stuff. But when the word of God, when the word gets in me and begins to produce the life of God, then he loses his control over us. 
He is a controlling spirit. And the way he works, he works in our life the same way God works. He knows that you and I were created out of third day soil. On the third day, God created the earth and caused it and declared that the earth, that the dirt of this earth would receive seed and bring forth harvest and reproduce after its own kind. And all seed is, recreate, is, is ordained to, to produce after its own kind. The seed of this word, this seed reproduces after its own kind. This seed reproduces the life of God on the inside of you. So when God made man, he formed him out of the dust of ground. You are formed out of third day perfection soil and you were formed to receive seed sown into your life. The seed of word sown into your life. And whatever seeds are being sown into your life, that's a harvest that's coming forth out of our life. And when I go back to him, I say, God, I want your life. Well, the only way his life can come into me is by having this word in my life. I shared it in first service years ago. How many have ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Smith Wigglesworth, we called him the Apostle of Faith, mighty man of God. He got saved. His wife prayed for him and prayed for him and prayed for him. He, he was a crusty old codger, and he was a plumber, and he got saved. He was mean to his wife. She prayed for him. He'd get so mad at her, he'd make her sleep out on the front porch all night. She'd try to witness to him, get him come. He'd make her sleep on the front porch, and then he'd open the door in the morning and say, Woman, get in here and cook for me. i got to go to work. And she'd come in and cook for him. And she just stayed there and stayed with him, stayed with him. He got miraculously saved, filled with the Holy Ghost and God called him to preach and he made the decision the only word that's going to be in my life is the word of God and I shared it in first service Lester Summerall got, got to meet him through Harold Carter and he was traveling in England there and he got an introduction to go to Lester's house and when he went to Lester's house on the way he picked up the, the newspaper and he had it tucked under his arm the morning news and he got to Lester's house he knocked on the door and when Lester opened the door he said what's that under your arm and 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 Lester said, well, it's the newspaper. He said, you leave that outside. The only thing allowed in my house is the Word of God. Amen. We go, that's kind of radical. Yeah, that's kind of radical. And God used Smith Wigglesworth. He has, over, he has 19 documented resurrections from the dead. 19 people raised from the dead through his life. And he would do crazy things. Lester was in a meeting with him, and a little lady come up and, and, and had, 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 a, had a stillborn baby in her arm. The little baby had died during the night, and she brought him to the meeting. And, and, and Smith is standing there, and he said, put the baby down. Very gruff guy. Put the baby down. She put the baby down, and he just kicked the baby into the third row. The baby landed in the third row alive. Now, let me just tell you something. Before you start kicking babies into third rows, you better have the word of God. Amen? In another service, there was a prayer line. They, they, and they, they were bringing people terminally ill. And, and, and he was going down a prayer line. This gentleman was in there dying of cancer. Literally dying of cancer. Just days away from just expiring. And, and when he got to him, he just looked at him. And he just took his fist and boiled up his fist. And just punched the guy in the chest. And the guy's Ugh. And they go, you killed him. He's dead. And Smith just go, he's healed. And kept going and praying for people. He got down the line a little bit. Next thing you know, the guy sits up off the gurney, starts walking around, completely healed. And flapping in the back, all the whole thing, man, running around to be praising God. Amen. You, you say, Pastor, what are you saying? That was pretty cool. Landed right side up. Amen. What are you saying? 
Jesus said that the only thing Satan comes to steal is the word of God from your life. The devil knows the power of God's word to produce what he sends it to produce cannot be stopped when it is planted in good ground. See, listen, the devil has his translation of the Bible that he wants you to believe and that he wants you to hold on to. And his translation of the Bible does this. His translation strips you of God's power. And when we listen to that muted translation of the word, we become a powerless church. I shared this in first service. I want you to hear me. There is one topic that is so important to the body of Christ and to the kingdom. One specific topic, and that is the person of the Holy Spirit. His work, his ministry, and his presence, his gift, his power in our life. Jesus said it like this. You're going to receive the promise of the Father. He refused to let his disciples go forth without the promise of the Father. You've been born again. You're alive unto God. But don't go out and try to do ministry without being anointed by the Holy Spirit. You wait until you are in dude with power. and Not feel not, not a lot, but in due deal, the Holy Spirit comes upon you because you're going to need the anointing upon you to do the work of the ministry. So you go tarry until the anointing comes. And when it comes upon you, you will receive power. But because we've listened to the muted translation of the Word of God concerning the Holy Spirit, we are a church that doesn't walk in power. When the Bible says these signs will follow them that believe they will lay their hand on the sick and they will recover when you begin to read the word of God in its pure translation not the muted translation that the devil has put into the church you'll go wait a minute I'm a believer I think I could lay my hands on sick people and they would recover people go what do you think you're doing I'm just believing God I'm believing his word I'm good ground there's been the seed of life sown in my heart and I'm going to see it come to pass in Jesus name But you got to, the word works. So what do we have today? We have a powerless church. And people who don't know, well, I don't know if it's God's will. I don't know what to do. This whole book is his will. You can have everything in here. Jesus said, he, listen to what Jesus said. He that believes on me and the works that I do, shall he do also and greater. How's he going to do that? Because he's given us the word of his life and of power. We are to be a people of power. And when we give God's word back to preeminent and we quit going, those are words for here. Those are not words for over here. Oh, don't bring that word into your work environment. Don't bring that word into your social environment. Don't bring that word into our schools. No, this word belongs everywhere. Amen. Amen. I don't even know how to tie a knot in this now. Stand with me this morning. Yeah, some people, are you a Christian? I go to church. So? I didn't want to ask. I asked, are you a Christian? I go to church. I give money every Christmas. I bought three shoe boxes. I'm a good Christian. I didn't want to ask. I didn't ask what you do. I said, are you a Christian? Are you born again? The only way to be born again is receive the incorruptible seed sown in your heart. Christianity is more than a prayer of repentance. The sinner's prayer is just you saying, admitting you're a sinner. 
saying, God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Good. But Christianity is death, burial, and resurrection. Christianity means you die to yourself. You bury the old man and you allow the power of the Holy Spirit to raise you up in newness of life. And now you live in resurrection life. You live in the promise of God's Word. Say, God, I'm alive. Well, I go to church. Isn't that good enough? No, you need a resurrection. And the way that happens, we take the Word. So what's happened? We've taken the translation and we've muted down the translation. And we're telling people they're saved and they've never even died. Water baptism is a declaration that you've been saved. Water baptism is the outward declaration of being born again. It says we are buried with Him in baptism. We identify with His death for our sin. And now we're raised with Him in newness of life. And we live and walk in newness of life. And that newness of life is governed by the living Word of God. Amen? Bow your heads with me this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and, and, and I don't know. I, I'm just telling you, if you look at our world right now today, you better decide what kind of words you want to hear and what you're going to base your life upon. We have such a politically charged climate. Listen, the secular world even knows this. They know that if they can get word into children, if they can get into our education. Look at what's happened over the last 30 years in our educational system. All the words of influence that have been spoken into a generation. Now we're seeing those young people out on the street. We're seeing that generation and the college area out on our streets and demonstrating based upon the words that have been spoken into their life through all of their education. And, and now the world has given them their identity. It has shaped their values and it's taken them in the direction they want them to go because of the words that have been sown into their hearts. Maybe you're here today and you say, God, you know what? I just need that place of getting back to your word. I'm going to give value to your word. I'm going to make your word great in my life again. I'm going to give your word the preeminence. I'm no longer going to have words for over there and words for over here. I'm going to have one standard for words in my life. And they're going to be the word of God. And it's going to be the word of truth. And it's going to be the word of life. Maybe you need to make that dedication this morning. Maybe you're here today and, and you've been resting your assurance of salvation just in the fact I come to church every now and then. I listen to Pastor Don get excited and preach and so I must be a good Christian. No, you need to die to your old life. You need to say yes to God and you need to make the choice to live in resurrected life. If you need prayer in any area, you need to make any kind of decision for God this morning, any kind of commitment, then here's my challenge to you today. Respond to this message. Make a decision right now on how you're going to respond to this message. What do you need to do with the Word? What do you need to do with your life? As they sing, we're going to open this altar. I'll pray with anybody that comes. We're here to pray this morning. You need to put God's Word first place. Come on put God back in the place of preeminence in your life, His Word. Let's put an end to this thing. Let's become a church of power. Let's become people who believe God's Word. Let's take our stand for righteousness and truth. Let's fear God. Let's reverence His Word. He'll teach us how to make the best choices. Let's get in that inner circle of His blessing. Come on, let's have Him reveal the secrets of His promises to us when we put things back in right place today. In Jesus' name, if you need to make that decision as they sing, you move this morning morning and I'll pray with you.